What up, East High? Welcome back to the podcast, folks. It's Wildcat Minute, where we talk about High School Musical 2, one minute at a time. I'm Condra. And I'm Tyler. And today we're here to talk about Minute 30 of High School Musical 2. Minute 30 starts out with Kelsey singing, You Know the Words, Once Upon a Time, and ends with Troy and Gabriella singing, Na 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 Na. Na 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 Na, Hey 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 Goodbye? No. We did that joke already, Tyler. <laughs> but it still seems apt. I suppose. So yeah, we we this minute is song. This is them singing. <laughs> it starts out This minute is song. It starts out with Kelsey just singing and Gabriella joins in and eventually Troy takes over Kelsey's singing and it is sung between Troy and Gabriella. Yeah, it's I mean it's an interesting enough minute. It's not completely boring or it didn't I I don't already hate it. Well, that's the first <laughs> for this movie. I feel like you've come out anti all the songs right from the get go. So no, first song, good. Summer, summertime. What time is it? What time is it? Good song, fabulous. Ugh. Work it out. <laughs> this song, eh, not bad. It's just kind. Of, it's 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 more of a throwback to the first movie with a sort of. Kelsey composed ballad. Jamie Houston back again. Oh, yeah. So Jamie, our friend. And you liked Breaking Free, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I liked Breaking Free. And I also liked um, When There Was Me and You. Yeah, When There Was Me and You. I think I did. I don't know. That was Gabriella's song. Yeah. I still call it Hopelessly Devoted to You. (laughs) I I still think of it in that respect, too. Like that (laughs) song in particular stands out how this originally was a Grease 3 in a way that nothing (laughs) else does. Kelsey has written the words, you know the words once upon a time, makes you listen, there's a reason. What does that mean? Is it because we're so conditioned to once upon a time that like, oh, regard, like there's an intrinsic reason why we listen when we hear the phrase or there's a specific reason why all bedtime stories start with the phrase once upon a time, as if that phrase has a magical power to make us listen. So nature versus nurture. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that phrase has a particular significance other than the sort of Disneyfication of fairy tales that kind of like, oh, the magic of Disney. Once upon a time, you'll be transported to a magical kingdom, Cinderella's castle type stuff i wonder if that disneyfication like in the pre-disney era fairy tales held a different purpose because they were more moralistic they more didactic more didactic oh man i missed the opportunity (laughs) um no they were they they were very different i mean they are they, they still exist. Disney hasn't deleted them from history. But the grim fairy tales, Hans Christian Andersen. I mean, the fact that Hans Christian Andersen in the 1850s was writing fairy tales because he was so inspired by the Brothers Grimm and Charles Perrault. There, there's a power, there's a historic power in fairy tales that exists and still does not exist today because of the, the whitewashing, the gentle, like, Fairy tales are gentler now than they were. Like I thought you were going to say they were being gentrified as if like made more palatable to like a white middle class. 
I mean, yeah. Thing, which is I that could have used too. that. <laughs> yeah. So there's this interesting idea that folk tales are more like cultural specific, but fairy tales are kind of just these broad stories that have a moral to them, but they don't they don't necessarily indicate a specific thing about the culture from which they derive. I don't know if that's true because you have maybe like the broad themes of a story, but you have different Cinderella's and different Jack and the Beanstalks for different parts of the world. I honestly, in my 10 years working as a children's librarian, I actually found the non-European versions of some of the fairy tales much more compelling. I don't know if it's because I was less familiar with them, but there's a Korean Cinderella story that also has the magic fish element in it too, which I thought was an amazing, like, it, it re per, refocused the power dynamics in the story. And yeah, I think what I'm drawing the line, what, what, I, I agree with you. Um, I think what I'm drawing the distinction at is that sort of like, 1850s Hans Christian Andersen where like everything becomes centralized as like a fairy tale mm. uh, and then the the sort of separation of like cultural folk tales that's that have similarities o- across cultures becomes less important and the, the sort of like centralized version and this is part of what Disney did too the, the, the idea that there's one version of the story and that any spe- cultural specific version is a different version but it's not the version that like is the main version. Okay, I see what you're saying there, and yeah, I definitely agree with you that yeah, the and I think Disney honestly was probably the one to lead that even more so than Hans Christian Andersen. Hans Christian Andersen added to the canon of fairy tales, and then Disney picked the version basically. Like fairy tale seems like a set thing. Folk tale seems like oh, different f- cultures can have different versions of it, but fairy tale seems very culturally specific to that sort of European version. Absolutely. And I would even throw that at Dewey. Everyone's hated Melville Dewey, who categorized book. Oh, like the Dewey Decimal System? Yeah, he established one of the most common book classification systems in the world. And the Library of Congress, while they didn't directly take Dewey's system, they created their own, which is the standard for a lot of other countries' systems, Dewey is still somewhere in the foundation of that. And he really set hard limits on white Christian being the most prominent and the most forefront and then relegating everyone else to, like, three numbers and, like, oh, yeah, they're at the end of that and let's just ignore all of that and focus on this part of it. Uh, Notoriously religion- the social sciences, and the countries, the 200s, 300s, and 900s, respectively, are all horribly racist and white Eurocentric. So, Yay, the Dewey Decimal System. But anyway, we were talking about the words once upon a time. Makes you listen. There's a reason. When you dream, there's a chance you'll find a little laughter or happy ever after. I like that sentiment. I mean, it is cliche as all heck. But It's when you wish upon a star, yeah. Yeah, it, it's so revenant. Like, Jamie Houston has figured out how to write lyric. How to write the same Disney lyrics, yeah, like three times over now. Yeah, it's really interesting to see these all these themes reflected. And coming from two voices, basically, you've got Gabriella's voice and Kelsey's voice twice. 
a single voice above the noise, I think you mean. Oh! <laughs> We're just reading the lyrics now. So when the minute starts, it's Kelsey, and then Gabriella joins in singing the harmonies. I'm a sucker for harmonies, everyone knows. Then Kelsey stops singing at the exact moment that Troy joins in. It's almost like this was all planned beforehand. <laughs> And it's not just something that was naturally happening between three friends. Yeah, that is probably the the least strong part of this minute is that transition being so abrupt, like Kelsey anticipated it. Or did she do it intentionally to guilt Troy into sing? Like she saw him come <laughs> over and stand next to Gabriella. And it seems like Troy can read music now because well, he, he doesn't know that song. He magically could before. Um, and he still magically can, I guess. I, well, we don't actually know. It's possible that Troy can't necessarily read music, but he can read the words and has really good ears for sort of playing it by ear and just figuring out what the melody could and should be. Well, I could argue that with the audition song. Oh, the song they auditioned with? Yeah. What was that called? Uh, um, and then, then uh, Sharpay and Ryan also did it. Yeah. God, Tyler, you'll have to cut this out because this is just embarrassing. Sneeze. It's hard to believe, yeah, that I couldn't sneeze. Yeah. Um, this feeling's like no other. I want you to know. I've never had it? someone What's like it? you. What I've been looking for. What I've been looking for. There we go. What I've been looking for. <laughs> so I'm going to leave all of that in. No. <laughs> no, do, do another take of like way back. So it can be argued that because Troy had been listening to all the other auditions singing what I've been looking for in the slowed down version that he understood it enough to sing it when Kelsey had them sing it on stage and then Darbus came in. But here he's literally going like we can assume the karaoke is a pop song that he knew like we can play that game and Kelsey spent in teaching them breaking free, also spent the time teaching him the music. Like, presumably yeah, I mean, there has to be He did a some... whole musical, so he might have learned how to read some music. Yeah. So what I'm saying is he learned how to read music for this, because we could guess any other prior time him singing, he didn't know how to read until Kelsey came along and taught them. Kind of like how Harry Potter doesn't do any spells in the first Harry Potter movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So when Troy starts singing, he starts romantically looking at the back of Gabriella's head. <laughs> I noticed that too. It's so awkward. And then the the kind of the bridge comes along and then he walks to the other side of the piano so that he can look at Gabriella and we get back and forth close-ups between the two of them, but no more of Kelsey. Yeah, except her hands occasionally. <laughs> I think also it was funny that Gabriella started giving Troy the eyes like she was like looking at him while she was singing like trying to draw him in and it worked yeah Vanessa Hudgens is doing the face where she's like smiling and singing and doing the puppy eyes yeah puppy eyes that's what I was <laughs> classic Vanessa Hudgens face classic uh so uh a single voice above the noise and like a common thread hmm you're pulling me when I hear my favorite song, I know that we belong. You are the music in me. Yeah, is that's all we get in this minute, right? Yeah, that's where it cuts off. Or no, 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 because we end with na na nas. It's um, it's living in all of us, and it's brought us here because na 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 na. That's where we end. Hey, 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 goodbye. No. <laughs> 
you said that's where we end. So I said goodbye. Goodbye. We 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 managed to make a five minute conversation about one one of the lines in this song, but there's there's not really much else interesting going on. Even like thematically for Gabrielle and Troy, like this point in their relationship, it's not like breaking free where it's like, oh, the world can see us in a way that's different from who we are. And that's like, oh, it's about them in real life, but it's also about the characters. Like this is just, oh, when we sing together, we're happy, which is like, whatever. It's pretty basic. Yeah. And the the concept of you are the music and me that they connected over music and continue to have these very deep emotional connections through music. I think that says something about their relationship, but it's nothing super profound. Yeah. And again, it's this thing of Kelsey's writing the song like the music in Kelsey is Troy and Gabriella, which, again, is like an inspiring thing. But Gabrielle and Troy have a relationship now that for months hasn't been defined by music. So I do like the concept, though. And if we think about this as Kelsey, not just writing it for Troy and Gabriella, but also for the entire employee team and all of her other friends, it's living in all of us. And it's brought us here because yeah, because it was really the music between Gabriella and Troy, in part because of Kelsey. That brought together these disparate groups. It, it kind of sums up the, the the first movie in this very poetic way. Like, stick to the status quo and this winter musical. You have these people coming together through this appreciation for music. And the joy it brings their friends to bring them all together and, and be a, a larger friend group. And we're 30 minutes into this movie and we're sort of getting that theme again. We'll see how much it comes to define this movie's plot. I mean, I don't know. I don't even know how much more of the song there is. It seems like maybe one of those short ones because it's going to come back later. I can't tell you. <laughs> well, you kind of already did say that it was going to come back later. Yeah, but I did tell we, you We that. just haven't watched the next minute yet. Anyway, um, anything else you got about minute 30? I don't, but I do have a decom of the week for you. Oh, Condra's got a decom of the week segment. What of what variety? We're gonna do a good old classic. I'm gonna give you the title and a bare bones amount of information, and you're gonna tell me what it's about, and then I'll tell you what it's actually about. Oh boy! So what movie are we talking about? So today we are talking about the August 2010 Disney Channel original movie Den Brother, starring Hutch Dano, uh, G. <laughs> Hanalis. Kelsey Asbillet, David Lambert, Vicky Lewis, and Kelsey Chow. Dutch Dano was in the TV show Zeke and Luther. He also Is appeared. He related in- to Paul Dano? I don't know. Uh, he also was Henry Huggins in the 2010 Ramona and Beezus, starring Selena Gomez. Uh, he also makes a couple of episode appearances on The Sweet Life on Deck. And um, the main young girl, uh, G. Hanalis, was in Sunny with a Chance, a reoccurring, and Good Luck Charlie, and then led in Dog with a Blog. Oh, I know none of these people because it's after I watched Disney Channel. So what's the movie called again? Den Brother. Den? D-E-N. Den Brother. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds like a great movie um, to do uh, a bear friend. 
It's 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 just Harry and the Hendersons, I guess, but with a, but with a friendly bear brother, brother bear. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to get there. <laughs> so it's just brother bear, but instead of Joaquin Phoenix and Rick Moranis, it's got these these guys. No, okay. So Den brother. So we've got a family. Just living their regular suburban life. We got a bunch of white folks it's living a together and a in a house. Just to help clarify some of the, I threw a lot of names at you. It's a brother and a sister, the the primary okay. two leads. Well, it was it was it depended on whether I wanted to make the brother be the bear or the brother also there and then they find another person who is a bear. Those are both not limited by the fact that I just told you there's a brother and a sister. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but in the in the in the initial setup, okay, so we'll have a brother and sister, mom and dad household, and then they all pack up and go camping. And then this is the this is the camping trip that's gonna to bring them all together, right? Because they've all been having their like leading their own individual lives, but they haven't done something as a family, and kind of everything's riding on them coming together as a family. But you know, the dad's on a work call for the whole road trip, and the mom I don't know what moms do while they're driving in a car. The mom's obsessed with something else about her her Tupperware and beauty product pyramid scheme that she's in. And the the brother is so obsessed with skateboards, but you can't skateboard in the woods. And the sister is obsessed with clarinet, but everyone yells at her when she plays clarinet in the car. So they're all kind of stuck together and uh, the 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 little sister is just hoping and hoping that the family can all learn to love each other again, and so they get into a fight at the campsite. She runs off and finds this friendly bear that lives in a den, a cave, um, and she befriends the bear. And the bear is in upsetting human makeup. Maybe it's a boy that was raised by bears. Mm, I like this. A young boy who was raised by bears she finds and brings back to her campsite and says, look, it's Derek, the, our den brother. And Derek is all slimy and gross. And he runs away. And they uh, they find out the next morning that they hear on the radio about a, a crazy boy that's been running around. And um, maybe he accidentally got into some trouble. And so they come and rescue him and say, no, this is our son. And everyone sort of takes their word for it. And then they drive him back to their house and it's just kind of a, a fun, silly movie where there's a wild boy living in their house. And then the bear parents come and knock on their door and say, we want our son back. <laughs> you're, you're kind of going a little wild thornberries. Yeah, I was going to say, what's the name of the boy in the wild thornberries? I've been trying to think of it while you've been talking this whole time and I couldn't remember. <laughs> um, no, I guess they, they help find his real parents um, who lost their son oh so many years ago. And then they all come together because they realize they they all feel the same love as a family. And this Den brother helps them realize it. So that's my movie. Okay. Well... There don't seem to be a ton of stakes, but I mean, and also I would wonder, would the family of, did they intentionally leave the boy in the woods and they're disappointed that he got returned? Like, I have a lot no, of No, they lost their son. Then why are they looking for him? They were looking for him. They, he got lost in the woods and then a bunch of bears took him into their den 
And no one went, oh, let's check in that bear den because they didn't think that the bears would keep the sun alive, but they did. Okay. And it's more of, it's like a family comedy that has like sweet elements. The the stakes are like, oh, is the family going to fall apart? Oh, okay. Okay. Well, all right. As per the norm, you're a little off. I'm wrong. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So when they say Den Brother, it's actually a Girl Scout movie. Oh, (laughs) Like a like a cub den like yeah like a, yeah, a scout okay. parent like okay. a, a troop leader if you will okay okay just describe the movie <laughs> so our main character is a high school hockey player who is very self absorbed and looking to gain the affection of the most attractive person in in their school and he wants a car and he's just very self centered and his dad is like no. You've been doing poorly. He was actually suspended from his hockey team because of showboating. And his father's like, if you're suspended, you have to like do more chores and take care of your little sister and just try being a better person. And uh, his little sister has just suffered the sad news that her troop leader is having to leave and their troop is going to get dissolved because they don't have a leader. And oh. her brother steps in and takes on the alias Mrs. Zamboni to be the substitute scout leader. Oh, so he's Mrs. Doubtfiring? A little bit, but I don't think he's actually dressing up in drag. I tried okay. to look that up, and I could not confirm that, okay. so I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't want to say no, because that would be amazing, but I oh, don't he's actually he's just using know. the pseudonym on the paperwork. Yes, okay. exactly. And the the little troop is trying to sell cookies to get ready for this big, they call it the Camperie, which is an adorable name <laughs> that I love. And like their big like scout outing that they do every year. And Alex, who's the boy, is helping the girls like earn their badges and they're all getting on really well. And they actually hook him up with the girl he's attracted to because she's wow. a senior senior bumblebee it's a bumblebee troop (laughs) and um his role as their scoutmaster comes to people's attention at a hockey game during a a troop muffin sale and the coach is very surprised that he has been doing this instead of like training for hockey and trying to be a better person but also doing it in a way that's lying so the troop gets in trouble because he was lying and um basically this is the low point of the movie where everyone's mad at him and uh but he's still a better person he's found like he's become a better person and he connects with one of his neighbors who was a former scout leader and also like led his mother's scout who's a scout troop back in the day but his mother's been uh dead for a couple years so like this way to connect with her memory and um he works out a relationship with this former den mother to to help his his sister's troop so they can go on this big trip and he'll help her in exchange like around her house and stuff and um he tries to make amends with his hockey team he apologizes to everyone and just starts being a better teammate the He's, like, up for captainship, someone else gets it, and then that person is like, no, Alex should really be the one to get it. Uh, he doesn't get, like, the all t- all-star team spot he wants, but he's okay with it. And while they accept that other den 
pair like that that den leader they really want alex to be the den leader and one of the moms is just irate that this young boy has been their den leader for a while so (laughs) she's like well there's this rule that you have to wear the uniform to be a den leader so he ends up putting on the uniform and in putting on the uniform it's somehow connected to his hockey coach like the lady that's being angry is also his cocky coach, like wife, like they're the their husband and wife, and the hockey coach is really impressed and actually ends up offering him this spot on the All Star team, and he agrees to it as long as he can still be troop leader. So it's this nice like family coming together, finding themselves again, pretty low stakes, but it's the classic like jerk in the beginning. Sweet has boy to do something end. good. Yeah. yeah, like does the right thing for the wrong reasons. That's your Mighty Ducks school of rock type yeah. thing. And then gets found out, but then does it anyways, makes it all better in the yeah. end. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sounds standard. Yep. It sounds and- so standard that I'm surprised that it's such a late period decom. Like, yeah. Oh, I mean, 2010, it's 11 years old right now. Yeah. Hard to say. It sounds like something that would have come out in 2003. Like, I mean, if you want, you could watch it on Disney Plus for yourself. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> anything else, Condra, for this minute? That's all I've got. All right. Where can people find us on the interwebs? They can find us on the Twitter at Amateur Nerds. Or me personally at Tyler Booty, T-Y-L-E-R-B-O-U-D-Y. Special thanks to our artist, Theo Golden, at T Golden Art on Instagram. And our music, which was composed by Joe Winslow, whom you can find at JoeWinslowMusic.com. I've been Condra. And I've been Tyler, and we'll see you next time to find out what happens in this movie after the 30-minute mark, because presumably we have like 85 minutes left, so something's got to happen. You can bet on it.